You're listening to Consolidate That. Ukraine is my motherland. It is now under a savage attack by Russia. Ukraine is shielding Europe and the rest of the civilized world from Putin's barbaric aggression. Ukrainians are brave and effectively fighting back. Let's help. Make a donation to Armed Forces of Ukraine. Link is in the show notes. Hashtag Stand with Ukraine. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, I'm very excited that we have a, uh, what I would call a classic episode, an Ivan and Ryan special. What I wanted to figure out from you today was if you could open up my eyes a little bit to some of the things that I'm talking about with practice owners and the doctors and the sellers. Uh, Everyone's always asking me what we do after we acquire a practice. And so I've got my ideas of of a good understanding of what we do, but I'd love a a deeper dive from you if we could. How does that sound? Hey, Ryan. Good to see you. Last time I saw you in New York, it was a wonderful trip. Uh, Looking forward to go to to the next adventure. It really reminded me of my uh, smart flow days visiting hospitals and talking to the vets. But that's that's a great topic. So what you're asking is, and this is why we call it not acquire clinic, which partially we do, but uh, how do we partner with the clinic? Because it's very important to partner on the process that will happen after we partner, because most business development teams don't know what happens after because there's a tremendous disconnect between the upstream and downstream. And we talked about that. So the upstream being business development and um, the whole due diligence process, M&A team, and then operations uh, do not know what they do. And then the M&A teams don't know what the operations do. So let's connect that right here. So what you're uh, referring to is what I get a question about from the investors. And they're asking, what is your value creation plan? Essentially, there's two parts to value creation as a consolidator. So as a consolidator, you create value by buying clinics at certain multiple. And then for the next event of recapitalization, there's a different multiple that you exit the business with. And that's arbitrage. And it's very stable in our industry. And that's why private equity is very excited about our industry. And that's sort of a given. So most consolidators start with that. And then once they realize that improving practices is hard, that's almost where they end. Uh, So they just do arbitrage. In our case, we're extremely focused on the operational gains. So not only there's an arbitrage and we have phenomenal formula, especially using 1042 as we discussed, but also we have a big operational plan in value creation by improving both top line and bottom line. Okay. So why don't we, why don't we dive into some of those things? I mean, I would love to just think about the first ones that, that a lot of those practice owners that we partner with, the first things that they're going to experience with us at the practice level. It's probably important just to take a step back and see what are the classic consolidation in our industry changes that uh, the management is coming in to do. And I've engaged with arguably close to half of uh, consolidators in North America and with quite a few in Europe and, and several in Australia. So every single presentation that I had, and I raised capital with them together that they have for the investors, uh, has what I call five silver bullets that's in any industry, actually. And I've seen presentations from dental, physiotherapy. So essentially, there's five tools that the management teams are explaining to their investors what they're going to do with the practice to grow that EBITDA. So number one, uh, improve marketing. So essentially, grow the top line. So bring more uh, clients in, in the door. 
Number two, what they call labor cost management. And uh, to simplify that, we'll, we'll basically constrain the salaries, we'll cut down on benefits, and we'll optimize everything that's related to it. Number three, a price change. So jack up the prices. Number four, vendor management. When you're growing into a certain number of units, you will have enough buying power to negotiate better deals with the vendors. So, you know, your lab uh, providers and uh, your um, consumables and medications and everything else. And number five is inventory management. So we'll improve inventory management, which is a great tool because when you're um, negotiating with the practice, when you're looking at PL of the target practice, you can immediately see if there's opportunity there. If the cogs are somewhere you know, at the 25, 26, we see 28, they should be somewhere around 21, 20. So if you do know how to do it at the practice level and then systematically across the organization, there's an opportunity there. So those are, those are what they call five silver bullets that they have up their sleeve when they go to raise capital. Now let, let's look at the reality of our industry. The marketing, if you know how to do it at scale and not everybody knows how to do it at scale, but it's not really needed in our domain. So when you're going with those theses, our industry is extremely high in demand. So we have too many pets to service. The wait time is three plus weeks. And bringing more patients through marketing initiatives onto the team that was just acquired and unstable is a direct impact that can drive people out of the clinic because they're already at capacity. So marketing, is, as much as you want it to be, is not really a tool for us today. We don't want more clients in the door. The second one, what they call labor cost management, if you will uh, make a smaller team, if you will cut down on benefits or salaries today, then people will leave. And statistically, we have 30% of teams leaving, or at least doctors leaving within six months after the acquisition of the hospital. So this is the riskiest thing that you can think of doing. So decreasing salaries or any sort of package for people in the organization that you're acquiring is not an option anymore. Inventory management, you can do if you know how to do it. So you need to have a process, you need to have, uh, you need to be going into these acquisitions, knowing how to change the cogs in a very systematic way. And the last two vendor management and price change, well, anybody can jack up the prices and push vendors on certain discounts. So that's classic that our industry uh, and any industry in consolidation is looking at. And as I illustrated here, it is not available as easy. So that's why most consolidators are reverting back to arbitrage and say, okay, we'll jack up the prices, we'll push the vendors, we'll kind of cobble together all these practices and then resell to the next family office and uh, and the job is done. And we're focusing Ivan, just more... For, for the listeners, arbitrage is the creation of value just through the acquisition of multiple units and multiple practices, bundling things together and, and selling them for more than they were um, on their own. Um, so that's that's what which, you see in a lot of spaces. Which is to those people that you talk to, Ryan, and I know that, you know, there's quite a few. We have 575 clinics reached to us so far. And to all of those, I think a great advice when they're when they're even talking to you, when you can articulate them everything that we're talking about here, recommending them ask your next consolidator that pitches to you the acquisition or partnership, whichever way they painted and ask them directly, what is your value creation plan or how are you going to optimize my practice? Specifically, step-by-step. Step. And this is what I want to take you through here to explain what we're going to do. Perfect. So, yeah, let's do it. 
So, so let's start with uh, inventory management. So this is something that we know how to do and our wonderful COO and the partner in crime for the second business with me, Emmett. This is what he was doing at Benfield. And this is what he developed a software product based on artificial intelligence, learning from your data, what was the history of ordering? So you can optimize it going forward. So essentially, and you also need to be very careful when you deploy things in the hospital. Uh, now, if you go back to our to our framework, consolidated operating framework, I outlined there on the second level of the department, there's two types of initiatives. There's centralized and there's decentralized initiatives. Centralized initiative is something that you can do centrally in your HQ and without uh, doing significant change management with the teams in the hospital. Decentralized is something that you have to go directly to the clinics and with a significant change management, you need to implement those changes. So by all means, you want to try to do centralized changes first because those do not involve change management and not going to affect the teams. The common mistake that I see in consolidators is that they have this 100-day plan or first 90-day plan. And essentially, they want to cram all the items that they want to do with the clinic in that 100 days, which results in burnout and people leaving the hospital. So what we do differently is that after partnership is established through acquisition, then we go into the period of stabilization. And that period is there to basically measure through data what is the lowest hanging fruit on that value creation plan. So inventory management is one of them because it is a partially decentralized initiative. You need to go to the hospital, but you need to train only one or two people that are responsible for inventory and then using our artificial intelligence software and Emmett's um, wisdom we can do it at scale systematically. The second one, and let's just move out of the way those things that everybody's doing. So price change, we can do that too. You need to justify it. Uh, one of the consolidators that I'm very close to changed in one big specialty hospital prices overnight on Sunday. And then on Monday, when staff walked in and realized that all the prices have changed without telling them, they, they left the hospital. The entire hospital walked out. So that's a great example how not to do it. So you want to make sure that everybody's informed, uh, they're informed why, uh, why the medications changed, because you got a better deal, and it needs to be justified with uh, a medical team, that's for sure, because if you are doing something like that and vets don't know about it, uh, that breaks that trust, as well as the feeling of autonomy, which is so important in the intellectual workers in order to gain them, get them to the point of creativity. So those, I, so I'm just going to stop you for one second. I think that trust piece is really important. It's something that I talk a lot with about or talk about a lot with people in the industry, because as we're talking about each one of these value creation items, they aren't all rolled out simultaneously. They're each added in sequence with stabilization and integration and a true deliberate fact, because when you make one change, we then have to relearn, re-earn the trust of the team that we did it on purpose, we knew what we were doing, that we're focused on what we're doing, and then regain their trust to understand and, and go along with us and join us in that next change. So I think that the trust is a really big piece of it. Yeah, and the, the very important thing that is established through change proper change management process that includes buying before you start, giving autonomy to people to participate in the change, finding the champions and then make the change in increments and uh, celebrate the the, uh, the the stop uh, gaps in it and then making sure that everybody's brought along. Uh, 
That's just very, very basic. There's many frameworks for change management, but uh, what a lot of consolers lack, they don't articulate it up front to a seller before they're going into the deal. And after they go into the deal, they don't articulate this to all the staff. What is it gonna do to me? Nancy, the receptionist, or George, the receptionist that is there, what is it, why am I doing this change? What is it gonna do to me? In our case, well, you're the shareholder. Everybody in Galaxy Vets is a shareholder. That's number one. Number two, by doing this, we're explaining this is how it's going to affect the shares of uh, yours and everybody on this team. So there's a tremendous buy-in. So absolutely. And so even the vendor change uh, and changing what medications and where they come from, everybody needs to be informed. That's that's the fundamental piece. And you need to roll out those that are decentralized and touching the clinic one at a time. You do two at a time that's prone to failure so instead of going fast in the first 100 days i know that everybody in the rush especially private equity backed uh consolidators that have only three year window to return the investment to their shareholders then yes they're going to be rushing our strategy is operational excellence so that's why we have partners in funding and uh, partners as veterinarians that know that we're going to take time to make operational changes rather than just buy and sell clinics so that is usually where the value creation plan ends with most consolidators. So we knew that in order to provide shares to everybody in the organization and make this employee-owned organization and satisfy our investors, we need to create more value and we need to have more creative way of doing it. So one of the things that we also do, which a lot of consolidators claim, which is centralized recruiting. So the promise is that once you join us, we have this wonderful recruiting engine where we hire doctors. But as we all know, Today, for anybody to hire a veterinarian, it takes um, 10 months to hire a veterinarian, and it can take twenty-five dollars to $100,000 in recruiting fees. That's why Pathway is offering this awesome deal of giving cash after five years with them. That's why uh, one of the largest consolidators has 1,300 positions today on their career page. Um, but uh, there's something interesting that we observed since last October when we started that we had 1,275 people ask for a job at Galaxy, and we didn't post for a job. We just were talking about what we are about to do in terms of burnout prevention, in terms of management, in terms of employee ownership. So we created the thought leadership in the domain where people want to join us for all of those reasons, plus there's ownership in the company. So with 1,275 job requests, we're pretty confident that when we acquire a clinic, and statistically, there's nine out of 10 clinics are lacking at least one veterinarian in capacity. We're pretty certain that we can actually line up additional veterinarian towards the acquisition, which means that we're immediately increasing the uh, both top line and bottom line because every veterinarian is bringing you know, between six and 700,000 in the GP, and that uh, subsequently affects the bottom line. So that is centralized recruiting. So, so the the recruiting is a big piece, um, and it's something that I know I talk heavily about and look a lot at our map of interested clients and interested employees across the country. Um, can we dive in a little bit into the membership model and the membership program that we've seen be successful in other in other groups and other places, and and how we're going to be implementing that as well? So yeah, that that's that's quite unique to us, and it's not unique to us only. There's a couple of groups that are doing uh, membership model, and a couple of groups that are doing uh, telehealth. But the magic, I think, is where my friend Matthew Flan. So shout out to him in England. 
and uh, and also uh, modern animal and bond vet teams created, and they have a different flavor of of uh, each. And I think that we combine the best uh, learnings from these networks. So essentially, membership uh, model is uh, something that is different from wellness plans. Everybody wants wellness plans, and classically, Banfield is known for having up to 65% of their client list on, on wellness plans, and wellness plans have services incorporated into them. So whether it's your deworming spay and, or neuter and your uh, flea medication for the year and a couple visits, that's services to be delivered. So if people don't show up, then you're just retaining that capital that was given to you through subscription. But that is prone to churn. That is very high probability of people not coming back. And then you see on your credit card statement that's that charge, and you're like, ah, I should cancel this. And then next month you cancel it. And if you're Ryan, you probably call back and ask for the refund. Because I know you would do that. Six uh, months and <laughs> wow. Just that's good. the whole thing. Maybe the whole year. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm I'm asking you next time to help me with these. So the membership is different. It's what the Costco is doing. So Costco model, essentially, you're paying annual small subscription fee, and then you can shop at Costco. So that's what we have at Galaxy. Essentially, you have a small uh, monthly fee, which you get uh, certain benefits through it, but uh, it's not a variety of services provided. And we call it an access to care fee. And essentially, it needs to be combined with the telemedicine and not telemedicine like everybody did in 2020. Mm -hmm. I've been a huge pessimist of the telemedicine in our domain because what COVID has proven outside of modern animal and probably my friend Matthew Flynn in England, that everybody got telemedicine, everybody signed up for it. That's why Annie Panion and Airvet and other telemedicine platforms spiked in sales in 2020. And then they had a massive churn by the end of 2020 because Yes, it's easy to sign up your 45 clinics to telemedicine, but then you need the process behind it. So subscription doesn't drive your uh, workflows. You need to have the entire workflow around your practices and the overall operation to implement telemedicine successfully. Well, one question here. So we're talking about, we just did an episode a couple of weeks ago uh, about access to care and increasing the access to care. How does, this is the devil's advocate side of it, <clears throat> how does having a membership model and a recurring amount there increase that access to care for the pet owners across the country? Great question. And that's why they have to go in combination, membership model with telemedicine. So essentially, uh, when you are on membership at Galaxy, um, then you have a proprietary Galaxy app in which you essentially can uh, not call the vet, but text anytime. And you will get in touch with the veterinary team that will triage your request. And they will understand whether it's the type of peanut butter that you're trying to uh, choose for your pet, uh, then that would be resolved on the spot. Uh, or it's an emergency situation, which you can't resolve through texting. And then you will be recommended to go to emergency hospital immediately, which we also are going to be building. So essentially, you're sent to our emergency hospital or you're recommended to see a veterinarian, but the next available appointment is three to four weeks out. So the option 
is to see a virtual veterinarian to at least start the appointment. So there's no bottleneck on trying to find the appointment with a particular vet in your area. And then if you do that, you can do it at the comfort of your home, from the couch, sitting with your pet on your lap, and have a communication with the vet. Now, what does membership cover? It covers a consult fee in any of those three platforms, whether you're doing virtual call, whether you're going to physical hospital or you're visiting emergency hospital, consult fee is waived if you're on our subscription uh, as a member. And that gives you access to care immediately to a virtual veterinarian, physical facility, or the ER hospital. Now, uh, what happens after that? Can you, it was a great question from an investor yesterday. Uh, I was talking to actually a urologist, human urologist. He's one of the investors in, in Galaxy. And he said, how does this work in telemedicine? Because uh, I am a urologist and I do telemedicine all day long from home, but pets don't talk. So how can you do telemedicine? And my provocation to him was they don't talk in exam room either. So <laughs> you really talk to the pet owner and then uh, you collect the history. And if it needs to result in additional blood work or x-rays, which is usually the case, then you send them to your hospital or our retail diagnostic center where the blood could be collected and the uh, imaging done. And then the results go back to the virtual vet and then they can finish the appointment with the online prescription through a common platform, which there are several uh, platforms out there, including Chewy, VetSource, Vets First Choice. And the recheck appointment is also done through telemedicine. Now, a lot of the listeners will say, well, what about VCPR? the uh, veteran client patient relationship it is varied state to state and there are things that you can do and there are things that you cannot do and we navigated all the states and the provinces really well we understand what is allowed what's not allowed and we practice in full responsibility and within the laws of each jurisdiction but essentially, the combination of those two things allow to access care and increase throughput through our system using telemedicine and using subscription. Something else about that that I think is important to note, as we talked about centralized versus decentralized, this is definitely something that happens at the most impactfully at the practice level, where it increases the capacity. Um, and for for galaxy vets, we like to think of our practices as planets within a solar system. So it's happening and impacting at the practice level, but it's being staffed additionally and sort of thought about at the higher level um, so that we're able to increase the capacity of the work that's being done within the practice by taking some of that workload out of the practice. Is that right? Uh, that's a great point. So essentially, when everybody's thinking about telemedicine, the reason why it failed majorly in, in the veterinary world is I have two doctors working and uh, all of a sudden COVID hits and I'm being creative and going, I'm going to sign up for a telemedicine platform. You sign up and then your veterinarians continuously running, booking three appointments into one 20 minute slot. They're burned out. And then you go and there's telemedicine platform. You should try to use it when the hell am I going to look into this telemedicine platform? Is it an addition? Is that what I'm doing from home? Is it replacing my three patients that are waiting in the exam room? So <clears throat> the point is that you are not using your hospital staff to start the process. You are hiring the veterinarians licensed in that jurisdiction to stand up telemedicine service that augments the physical hospital. And what's cool about the acquisition strategy rather than uh, de novo is that 
you're not waiting to build the client list. You're you're buying the hospital with existing client lists, and then you are <clears throat> distributing your software to the clients. And then there's a group of veterinarians and technicians that are working through triage and virtual services. But as the area establishes itself in a particular given geography for us, then we are going to be able to have veterinarians actually swap and maybe work two days in the hospital, two days in telemedicine, one day in ER. So, and that creates a variety of work and other vertically integrated theses that will be happening at the solar system, as we call it, level. And that's a separate portion of our value creation plan. That's wonderful. I, I know it's a lot of us or pretty much the entire Galaxy Vets um headquarters mission control team are remote and work from home, uh, there's definitely a an excitement level to be able to have the flexibility of schedule that comes from working at home, working remotely while still doing like what we just did and do a visit to see practices in person and sort of the rejuvenation that comes from differing the work that you're doing day in and day out while still having a consistent mission and goal for the teams there. Um, I think, I know we, we definitely want to keep our, our time, um, in line for our, for our listeners here. We've hit a lot on the planet and the, the individual practice level, uh, value creation plans. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do another episode where we can talk about the solar system level? So the things that we do that come from acquiring multiple practices and partnering with multiple practices in the same area. Because there's an entirely different group of value creation plans that we can implement at that space. How's that sound to you? I think that's great. Yeah, because we're up on time and there's the whole section of, of uh, the improvements that we can do at the vertically integrated level in the areas that are consolidated by us. But just to recap on what we've discussed today. So the things that we do in practice in, and in that sequence, usually depending on what we find from the data in the stabilization period are we're doing price changes, everybody else. We're doing inventory management that we can do it at scale. And that involves just one or two people at the hospital level. Then we do vendor management. So essentially plugging them into our vendor network. Um, and that needs also change management. Those are low touch and centralized, almost centralized initiatives. And then when we add to uh, recruiting, so centralized recruiting and then membership and telemedicine, that's a heavier lift with more involvement at the practice level. Those come later when the culture is established in the hospital, when they understand what employee ownership is, and they understand that the changes that we're bringing that are more significant are in line with their um, opportunity uh, to increase their wealth long-term through employee ownership and only in that sequence. And uh, a lot of people would say, well, that's a huge change at the level of the hospital with the membership and the telemedicine. The key to that is to do it as low touch as possible. So the only change that the clinic is doing is receptionist trained how to recommend owners that are leaving the hospital after the appointment, how to install the app and everything else is happening as magic on the background. And it just throttles the appointment flow into the clinic by taking some of them out and doing the virtual services. Excited to talk about vertical integration at the local regional level and the solar system level next time. And looking forward to it, Ryan. Awesome. Well, Ivan, thanks again. And looking forward to our next guest that we have joining us next week. Excellent. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. 
If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at galaxybets.com.